Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. OMG, guys, can I share with you how excited I am? Because this week, yes, this is pre-recorded. I did it last week. But this week, I am physically in Lake Cuomo, Italy on the Retreat Yourself trip. This was only a figment of my imagination of like what my business could be back in January of this year. And now it's friggin' happening. Now, did I sell out? No. Are there people coming who are going to be so friggin' aligned for this trip and it's just going to be an absolute blast? 100 fucking percent. I am beyond excited that this is happening and probably drop another bonus episode at some point this week so that I'm actually coming at you from Lake Cuomo because how friggin' cool, right? So I just wanted to tell you guys that and now we can hop into our regularly programmed scheduling. Our regularly scheduled programming? That one. Our regularly scheduled programming. Sharing stories. Giving others a platform. Learning through our different journeys. I'm all about this. And you know who else is? Today's guest. Today we're chatting with Anne Elizabeth Cundiff. She's an RD who is passionate about uplifting our fellow dietitians. So we're kindred spirits. She calls it the RD fight, but I see it as this inbred nature of competition. Regardless of how you phrase it, how you see it, there needs to be a shift within our field. And the more than handful of dietitians who are out there already collaborating, already making changes and uplifting each other, we're the future. Everyone else is just going to have to get on board. So I'm super excited to dive into this conversation today where we can hashtag embrace the hell yeah with Anne Elizabeth and just learn a little bit more about her story and how we can find collaborators who really vibe with us. So let's dive into our conversation with Anne Elizabeth Cundiff, RD and friendly dietitian cheerleader. She is an author and a podcast host. She is also a retail dietitian by day and all of the other times she helps health and wellness professionals share their journeys and passions living each day to hashtag embrace the hell. Yeah. Without further ado, let's talk with Anne Elizabeth. What's up, Anne Elizabeth. I am so excited that you're on the dietitian collaborative with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I feel very joyful that I'm spending time with you today. Awesome. Well, let's dive into the three most important questions ever. Are you ready? Awesome. I am ready. Yes. Excellent. One, what is your bucket list travel destination? Whenever I think of travel, it is anywhere with my heartbeats. So I don't really have like a destination that's, you know, I have to go to because every destination with the people I love is always a great destination. So wherever that leads us is where it leads us. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so it's, much. It's so much more fun with people. I mean, like I could go to, you know, I'm in, I'm in Iowa, so I could go to Kansas, but as long as this was someone I totally love being with, Kansas is a new experience. So, you know, granted there's great destinations all over the world and I'm sure I'll hit those up at some point, but I really wanted to be with people that I just love being around. I, I I would agree. That totally makes a difference. I I dig solo travel, but it makes it more fun when you have someone else to share it with. It for does. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question. What is your favorite food of all time? 
So my favorite food of all time, it has to be a dish that my dad made. He kind of adapted it. I mean, there's like the traditional dish. It's chicken Kiev, which Mm -hmm. is there's like the traditional like, you know, butter in the inside. But my dad would make it and he would put cheese and herbs and he would make this bechamel sauce over the top. And so his version of chicken Kiev is my favorite food of all time. That sounds so good. Would it be served with anything else? Um, he would, he would fry Koleski noodles with it. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> I mean, like the most fattening jerk, like so, so heavy meal, but oh my gosh, it was always so good. And I just would, I mean, it was like usually my birthday dinner choice. So I would get fried Koleski noodles and chicken Kiev. It was amazing. Oh, that sounds so good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then third question, coffee or cocktails? Okay. So I've gotten older, so I'd probably have to go with coffee, but I do. So I, and I'm not like a plain coffee person. I love just like a latte and I only get it when I'm like traveling. So I like to do lattes when I travel or when I go somewhere that's out of my normal routine. So I don't drink coffee every day. And then cocktails, I'd probably, you know, always choose a good cocktail. So I start, start my meal with baby coffee or start my day with coffee and end my day with cocktails. I dig that answer. So lattes <laughs> are like your, your treat yourself kind of drink. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Yesterday I had a long day, so I had to go to a different place to work. And so I treated myself to a latte. That doesn't happen all the time. But I do like if I if I feel that I need to uh, have a long day or, you know, just want to go somewhere new. And I love to try lattes. And I love the latte art. Like people and their <laughs> latte art is just, just like amazing. So sometimes I do it just for that. <laughs> I love that. It's like borderline <laughs> coffee snob and I dig it. <laughs> I just am amazed how like, I don't know, I I wouldn't even try because it would be the worst art ever <laughs> on coffee. <laughs> I feel like it's an art form too, right? Like the temperature has to be right. The steamed milk has to be perfect. And then I'm honestly not sure how they like float the coffee to like make the design on top. That is above my knowledge. I know. Do you drink lattes at all? I do. Yeah. It's yes. Usually yeah. my go-to drink. <laughs> are you a Are you a milk latte or are you like an oat or almond oh, latte? No, I'm a, a milk latte. We live in yeah. Germany and like the milk here is amazing. Oh, I bet it is. It's probably yeah. creamy and delicious. It's so. It smells like how milk should smell. Like the organic milk in the states. Like that's how all the milk smells here. It's so oh, good. Yum. Now that's yeah. a good. That's a delicious latte then for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So good. Okay. So now that we basically know everything about you, I would love to know what began your journey as an RD. Well, I was, when I was in college, I was pre-med and that was kind of the journey I was going to take. So my junior year, I was getting ready to uh, do my MCATs and I was getting, I was like, oh, I have some time for an elective. I'm going to take a nutrition class because all doctors need nutrition, right? Yeah. I mean, now I know that they don't I would hope really so. at all, but <laughs> so I had this opportunity to take that elective and I was in there with nursing students and it was just like, I don't know, it just like this overwhelming, like, I love this class. This is amazing. I'm learning so much. The teacher was a dietitian and it just really felt comfortable, more comfortable than any of my science classes or any of my other pre-med classes. And I just kind of felt myself wanting more and more information. So I just kind of looked into, you know, what does a dietitian do? 
and granted, this is my junior year and I'm supposed to be like going, going to med school. And supposed to be I actually, you know, yeah, I'm supposed <laughs> to be sitting my MCATs and I'm like, oh no, let me research dietetics for like a hot minute. So I really got into, you know, what dietitian does. And then I talked to my professor and I really, it was a hard choice, but I really was like, I think I want to pursue this. And I remember going to my parents and they were like, what, you know, like this is going to require you. I went to a school that did not have the program. So I would have to go to a different school and add on more years of classes. And so, you know, it was a huge like career mind shift kind of change, but that after that class, it did it. And then I um, ended up finishing my degree in biology and in Spanish. And then I decided to go do my didactic work. So I had two more years of didactic work, which was like, you know, food classes and all those things that I didn't get in the science part of it. So it was the right decision. It was a hard decision at the time, but I felt so much better about my future once I made that decision and told my parents and they they got over the shock, but. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I feel like a lot of people kind of go the pre-med route thinking that like, I mean, yes, we all want to help people. And that's usually, and you can tell me if it's different for you, but like, that's usually the motivator, right? Like wanting to be there helping people and not really knowing some of these other options as an 18 year old going into college, but then like getting to learn a little bit more, you have all of these other options. So I feel like you did it at a really good time, right? Like it wasn't like you were already, I don't know, a first year resident trying to figure this out. Oh, that would have been the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been really pissed at myself if I did that. Yeah. Because, you know, that is, and just the fact that, you know, I, it wasn't perfect timing, like you said, and I had done all the classes that, you know, I had all the science classes done. So that helped, you know. And that's the hard propel. part. Right. Right. <laughs> and I did like the hard, I did the pre-med, you know, organic chemistries and <sighs> physics and all that type of stuff. So I, you know, I was like, God, I I did it a little bit harder than I should have, but it still worked (laughs) out perfectly. Okay. So now you're finally on the nutrition path and what did that look like for you? Yeah. So during my end, I didn't, so I did my didactic work. I got a distance internship which back in the day, I mean, that was a while ago. I'm an older dietitian. That was pretty uncommon. There wasn't very many distance internships. And I was yeah. in my early 20s and I was engaged at the time. I was going to be getting married. So I needed something quick and fast and in my location. <laughs> so it worked out really well. Uh, and that was with Iowa State. And I did that internship in my clinical rotation was a great group of ladies that I worked with. And they actually offered me a part-time job when I was up with my internship and during that time, it was super hard. I could not, I was already applying halfway during my internship to jobs and there wasn't a lot out there at the time where I was living, you know, basically it was like clinical food service and, you know, community. And that really was it. It was very much like the internship as far as jobs. And so luckily they were kind enough to offer me a part-time job, which was super nice. And I actually had another career prior to becoming a dietitian that I kind of fell into while I was in school, which was my full-time employer. So I had a full-time job doing something completely outside of dietetics and then a part-time job in clinical. Is clinical something that you saw yourself in because you were on this pre-med track or do you feel like it was just because it was what was available and around. 
I think it was a combination of both because I did love the clinical aspect. I mean, I did kind of, you know, coming out of that pre-med mindset and then thinking, oh, I'd love to do this kind of, you know, working along doctors. And so at the time it was a perfect kind of fit. And yes, it was a job. So that was fantastic. (laughs) But I did like at the beginning, I really enjoyed that whole medical aspect and, you know, working, I worked at a teaching hospital. So working with, you know, other teams, PT, OT, you know, speech therapy, doctors, residents. And it was an exciting hospital. You know, it was a trauma hospital too. So we oh, had wow. all the good, crazy things happen. <laughs> so yeah. it was always an interesting place to be until I got to a point where I was, you know, kind of did mostly general med surge type patients. But then I started working with um, a specialty cancer type patients that we, our hospital at the time brought a doctor in to do certain kind of treatments. And I kind of got assigned to that doctor and his patients. And it just started to like wear me down because it was just sad. Like these people were just so sick and, you know, you can't at that point in the hospital, you just, you're so tied to what you can do to help people. And so that's when I started to realize, yeah, you know, maybe preventative health or, you know, pre-hospital health is kind of where I feel like my passion would lie in dietetics because mm-hmm. I was starting to cry when I went to work. I was just <laughs> like, oh, like this. And I started to get burned out because clinical yeah. is exhausting. And it's, yeah. we had, I think we had a 400 bed hospital and we had three and a half dietitians covering the whole trauma hospital. So it wow. was crazy. Yeah. Wow. I get the burnout thing. That's super rough. And at what point did I guess all of this kind of come to the culmination where you were like, I need to peace out from this environment was like, was the burnout enough or was it like crying, going to work because of just the, I mean, the mental and physical exhaustion of doing all of that too must've been a ton. So like, at what point was it just the culmination of all of this? And then what was that next step? Yeah. So the culmination was one day when I was, I was in the parking lot and I was like, I do not want to go in. I don't, there's nothing that is drawing me to go into this place to help any human in this building. I didn't care. I seriously almost turned around and drove off. And I'm not the type of person that's ever not going to show up to work, you know, unless I'm deathly sick. And I literally called one of my coworkers and I said, come out here and make me come in because I'm not going to do it. (laughs) You need to come get me out of the parking lot. And she did. And she came and got me. And then we kind of had a big chat. And I just said, you know, I need to find something else. And at the time, my husband at the time was going to be looking at a job in Iowa. I was in Nebraska. when I was, he was looking at a job in Iowa. So it was just kind of like, yes, it's time to just whatever it happens, happens. And so I started looking at, you know, what would be some, you know, more of that preventative health type job situations that would be available for me at the time. And I actually had a friend, uh, an internship co-buddy that I had that she was started working in a retail setting and she was like, Hey, we're hiring a bunch of dietitians. If you're interested, if you're willing to move to Iowa, you know, you might want to explore this. And that, that was kind of a spark. It was like, yes, like makes sense. Like go work where food means the most, like go to the grocery store. That sounds exciting. So that's kind of where that led me. And that led me into retail. Very cool. Okay. So I've heard a decent amount. I would say recently, I don't know, like everyone who has had a past retail history has like come into my life as of late, but really, I don't know. <laughs> conversations with past retail dietitians. It's so random. <laughs> but I would love to know, like, was that program set or did you have some flexibility in that program? Because I've heard it both ways at this point. 
Yes. And you know, like I, I knew nothing. I never even worked in a retail setting at all. So I never worked in the, like when I was in high school, I never worked in a clothing store or worked at like Target or anything like that or a grocery store. And so I knew nothing about retail. And when I came in, the program was just kind of starting to get, it was getting going. And there was probably about eight dietitians that were hired and it was kind of like a learn as you go. So they had some things figured out, but a lot of things really depended on what actual store you worked in, the community you were in, yeah. what your community needed. So it was very much like having your own business inside of a business. And I really, I kind of liked that. It was kind of like a safe entrepreneurial place. <laughs> That's super cool that they got, like that you were able to explore in that way and kind of assess the needs of the community that you were serving, but also do and like pursue projects that were exciting to you. There are very few jobs that I think allow that flexibility, like when you're employed by someone. Absolutely. And that's why I think when it comes to like, if you kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit, it's like that, it kind of helps you figure out, well, do I ever want to go out on my own? Do I like working for someone? But I do have that flexibility either way. And I think it's kind of either a great stepping stone to your own, you know, private practice, or maybe it's a place you want to be in for the rest of your life. Either way is great. If you have that, like you said, that flexibility to kind of pursue your passion. Definitely. Was that then a launching point to the entrepreneurship world for you? I would say, I would say yes. Yes. I mean, like going from, you know, clinical grind to having a lot of, you know, flexibility with, you know, what I like to do is my passion. And, and then also like that in between need where I was, I was, when I navigated dietetics, it was completely by myself. I didn't have any help. I didn't know anybody. And yeah. I just felt that there was like a missing link somewhere in there for dietitians that maybe had the same experience or something like me. And so that's where I was kind of like, you know, if I was going to be an entrepreneur, where do I feel like my, my biggest, who do I want to help? And that was yeah. other dietitians because I didn't need to help people lose weight. I needed to help people that were like me that went through a similar situation or something that they're going through that way. Yeah. So that blossomed into how you work with RDs now, or has that kind of changed as the years have progressed as well? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed and, you know, it's kind of adapted to, you know, I feel like there's better resources for dietitians now. I think there's a lot more support systems. I, you know, I wasn't familiar with like state affiliates or like, you know, local dietetic groups, you know, that kind of stuff I've kind of learned along the way too, that I just didn't there just wasn't a lot of that when I first got it started. So it's nice to see that there's more support systems and yeah, it's definitely changed just more of like, you know, mentoring side, finding people that just need some guidance that, you know, maybe my wisdom as a kind of an older dietitian can help just younger dietitians or even dietitians that are in the same place I am, because I feel like, and you probably know this too, just with all the work that you do is that dietitians get to the point where they don't want to be a dietitian anymore. And I think that's super sad. And it's like, you know, we put all this work into being dietitians and all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to go sell real real estate now, or I'm going to go do this. And it's like, yeah, but you know, you can find something that fits what you want to do as a dietitian. You just haven't found it yet. A hundred percent. I mean, I always say like we wear so many different hats and like I've seen and spoken to so many RDs who have combined their different loves, their different passions, and turned it into a niche that you wouldn't have known existed otherwise. So I think you're right. There's so much space for us all to really lean into what we love 
and still keep it within the world of dietetics if that's something that we want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you can, you know, like you can marry, you know, if you do want to be a real estate agent, that is fantastic. I'm not saying anything against that, (laughs) but you can still do, like you said, like you, you could do both. Like you don't have to just pigeonhole yourself that I'm just going to be a dietitian or I'm just going to be a real estate agent. You can be both things and just be that person that, you know, says, yes, I'm a dietitian and I'm a real estate agent. And this is, this is who I am and I can help you with both. So there's nothing to be, you don't have to choose one or the other. You can, you can find a happy place with both things or three things or 10 things, whatever you like to do. Preach. Yeah. There's always room for skill <laughs> stacking. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that's what differentiates all of us, right? Like people work with people and your personality is a component of it, but your knowledge is also another component of it. And I think even you, for example, like having that med school background, like that sets you apart. Like for me, my science of like the nutrition side of things is not as strong. But if you ask me to cook for like a certain, I don't know, like a certain health or like a certain disease state, I can whip up a meal like that's super flavorful, no problem, you know? So like just because we're both dietitians doesn't mean that we both do the same things the exact same way, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. And I admire people. I mean, I sit and look back at like for you, like to be able to do that, that is such an amazing skill that I could never do. And so I'd never, I'm never jealous. I'm never like, oh, I wish that was me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this incredible human dietitian that can do this for you. And I want to share her or him with you and go work with them. Like I am the biggest dietitian cheerleader ever because I am amazed by all the amazing, great things that, like you said, skill stacking. I mean, there's so many things that us dietitians can do and it doesn't have to just be, Hey, follow this diet and you will be healthy. I hate that word too, but whatever. (laughs) I feel like you're one of the OGs in this space. I've heard through the grapevine that you've gone, I don't want to say rogue, but low-key rogue for fancy events and like holding your own kind of event in <laughs> in fancy cities. Is this accurate? I did the last time I went to fancy. I <laughs> I did. That's so I funny. That. I, <laughs> I ended up like when I was in Philadelphia for fancy, I did have my own little, because I wanted to like bring together my podcast guests or just people that maybe I communicated with in social media and I had a little event in the hotel I was staying at and we had cocktails and yeah, it was fun. It was just fun to connect with people that I had, you know, had conversations with over the interwebs. So it yeah. was good. Yeah. I guess I didn't think it was like going rogue, but maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it. I feel like that is so much more I don't know. I feel like it just gives you the opportunity to connect so much more genuinely to people than like in a conference setting. I don't know. I always feel like the black sheep when I go to Fancy. So I love that you have connected with these people in real life already. And you just wanted to bring this group of people together that you vibed with and like they all vibed with you. So, you know, kind of, I guess by association that they would all vibe with each other too. So that must've just been an epic event. It was pretty fun. I was pretty, I had no expectations. I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to show up, but if they do, great. If not, that's fine too, you know? So, but yes, it was a nice turnout and I would totally do it again. I think, you know, you and I talked about Fancy before and Fancy's a hard, it's a hard conference because, you know, I just feel like, I feel like the sessions can be exhausting the, you know, I don't even go to the expo anymore because I don't care. You know, it's just, 
<laughs> it's just not my thing. And that's why I think if I did go to Fancy, I usually don't attend anything. I just kind of meet up with the people I want to meet up with. And I just yeah. go explore the city and that's my Fancy. So. Yeah. I feel <laughs> yes. For the last in-person one though, I was, I was also there in Philly and Philly was amazing. Oh, like just for the yes. city itself, Philly was amazing. Fancy was fine. I got to meet Ellie Krieger for like the third time. Ooh. So that was pretty cool. And she remembered me. So I felt like that was a win. That was Aww. probably the highlight of Fancy. That's awesome. Yeah. For her, all the people she meets and stuff, that's amazing. That Well, you're yeah. kind of unforgettable though, too. Like you're just, you have a great presence and a great personality. So, and then you have the similar interest of being a, you know, being a chef. So that's kind of cool too. Too kind. I don't know if we really vibed like that. I mean, I held the bathroom door open for her one time. <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's a cool situation too. It's a very personal situation. So oh bathrooms, that's where like, you know, people make strong friendships in restaurants. So <laughs> apparently, cause then the next time I met her, she was like, Oh yeah, I remember you. I was like, okay, cool. You do. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Philly was a cool see, <laughs> see, Philly was, Philly will always be memorable just for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I feel like just bringing RDs together in that way is just so needed. I mean, I'm sure you feel this way too, but like there's so much competition, whether it be in the solopreneur world or even like stemming from our DPD and internship that we need the space to be able to come together on a more genuine scale. And I know that you're seeing that like within the space that you're working in, because obviously you are the RD cheerleader. So I would love to know how you see, I guess, dietetics maybe growing a little bit more collaborative over the next, I don't know, half decade. What would that look like to you? You know, I, I hope it does. Like that's one of, I just, I, I feel like there's just been this big divide lately. And I feel like there's so many younger dietitians getting discouraged about what they want to be when they grow up or what they do. And yeah. they're scared to have those conversations with people they admire or people they look up to. And I, I really hope as, as dietitians, we feel more confident no matter where we are in our careers to reach out to other dietitians that we look up to or that we like what they're doing. Because just because they're doing it doesn't mean that you can't do something similar. You see something in them that resonates with you. So therefore connect with them. And I think you need to be confident in yourself to do that. And if they don't respond back to you, well then screw them. Like just move <laughs> on. Like you don't want to associate with them because they are not people that you need in your circle. I hope that there is less of dietitians ignoring those requests from other dietitians. And there, I know that happens. I know that there's dietitians that just ignore, they get too busy. They have too many things going on. They cannot accommodate all requests and all, you know, re people that reach out to them. But I think we need to do better as dietitians, no matter how busy we are and how no matter how big we are, like your example of the restroom conversation with Ellie Krieger, <laughs> you know, she's a busy woman, right? Like she's got 10,000 things on her plate, but if she yeah. can say, Hey, I remember you like that, probably just that changed something in you. And that made you feel like you're, there's some importance in you as a dietitian, no matter where you are in your career. So we need to be, we need to see more of that. We need to see more of no matter you know what you got going on, you always need to have like this tiny little space reserved for other dietitians that you connect with and that you help and that you help along the way. Because otherwise our 
profession is going to poop out and there's not going to be dietitians. We easily will be taken over by nutritionists and other health and wellness experts if we don't start helping each other more. So I feel like there needs to be, you know, and it doesn't have to be that dietitians, you know, help each other all the time, but I don't like to see dietitians saying, Hey, pay me to help you do this or give me this X amount of dollars and I will make you, you know, this kind of an entrepreneur. I think we need to have like more, like you said, a more collaborative kind of atmosphere that, you know, we can help people, but we don't need to like say, I'm going to charge you this much money to help you. No, I want to help you because I want to help you because we are on the same team. So let's do that. Preach girl. Stay on that soapbox. Preach. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, (laughs) Ooh, like stop. Like I just saw, uh, I actually had a friend who she paid another dietitian. I think like, oh gosh, $10,000 to help her propel her like business. And, you know, this gal was at the top of the chain and she had 10 other people helping her underneath her, which is great. She's built a business. She's got people, but then those people were the ones that were doing the work with my friend. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I didn't pay to work with this individual who's not a dietitian, who's just another kind of coach. I paid to work with the gal that I admire, that I look up to, that I want to be more like. And so she did not get the experience that she was looking for. She did not get the help that she needed. You know, it just, it was, and then, so that leaves a salty taste in her mouth. And then therefore she just kind of squashed her dreams and kind of squashed her goals. And then there was no like, and then after she was done, it was just like, okay, that was it. And that was $10,000 of my money. And that's that. That's beyond frustrating. And I, I see this not just within our field, but like all of like the business coaches out there pushing like close hundred thousand dollar months. Like yes. that's, that's their aim, right? Because they have this big business that they can, that they have people under them to be able to kind of flow all that through. Right. But mm-hmm. you are trying, like you said, you are trying to work with that person who you've looked up to, who is on social media all the time. And if you don't have access to them, that kind of devalues the product, even though they're still charging those exorbitant prices for all of it. I think it boils down to like them creating that blueprint and then selling that blueprint, recreating that blueprint. And I don't know about you, but I've found that the blueprint doesn't work for everyone. Like in the case of your friend, right? Like she wanted the experience with that person. And like, that's what she thought she was paying for, not that person's blueprint, which even put into practice may not have worked fully. So Yes. I, I'm on board with literally everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think sometimes too, like us as dietitians, and you probably have this experience too, with your kind of clients that you work with, like money, we don't, we're not, we are not set out to be millionaires, right? Like dietitians mm-hmm. is not a profession that's going to make you millions of dollars. And then, like you said, like you sell this pipe dream of, I can help you close these $100,000 or I, I'm a six figure dietitian or I'm a seven figure dietitian and you can be like me. If you take money out of the equation, would you still want to be a dietitian? And that's what I ask people. It's like, you know, what did you get into this profession for? Is it to make money? Then you probably need to find a new profession. (laughs) (laughs) Then go be a realtor. (laughs) Right. Right. Like just because it's not about, it shouldn't be about the money. You know, money is, yes, we need money to make the world go around. We need money to live. We need money to support ourselves. But if you are trying to be a millionaire as a dietitian, that's probably, it's a very hard road 
to make like um, have a million dollar year or you can have a million dollar life in so many different ways. But to focus on that, that monetary amount, that's not, that's not what our profession is about. And that's just my opinion, a hundred percent, because I'm not a millionaire and I don't plan on it. And I'm fine with that. (laughs) It's totally fine because I I like to help people and I like what I do. Yeah. I take the same approach. If, if I have a discussion with someone about like working with me in a mastermind setting or like coming into a mastermind setting with other RDs. And the first thing that they say is my goal is to hit like 10 K months by the end of the year. I'm like, okay, ciao. That's not what we're here for. For you. We're here to do things differently. And that's not always monetarily focused. Yes. The money will come if you're feeling aligned in what you're doing. If you're here doing the, like if you're here doing what you're supposed to do in life, but money shouldn't be the driving factor to all of that. Nor can I promise you 10,000 K months. Like that's, that's not my promise to you. My promise is to feel aligned in your business and a business that is 100% you. And that not only like serves you, but also serves the clients, right? Like the money will follow if you're in alignment. That's what I believe. Uh, like, yes, I'm on totally on board with you too. Cause that is so true. If you don't have your shit together, otherwise yeah. in fi- finding your alignment with all the things in your life, you're right. Like nothing's going to, it's not going to happen for you. So I love that you work with people on that aspect, then, Hey, let's make a $10,000 a month. Oh God. Okay. Well then there's, there's, there's another coach out there that will help you do that. It's not me. So that's very awesome that you're taking that approach with your people. And I also see it as the mind of the community rather than the mind of the guru. Those same, again, what I found, those same coaches who are pushing those 10 K months, put themselves on this pedestal and like, they're the guru for it all. But I've seen more come out of like masterminds and group settings than just working with one coach. Because then you have like three or four people who have vastly different experiences, vastly different knowledge, and can contribute in a way that one, that guru may not have thought of and an out-of-the-box way for the person who needs that guidance. So that's yeah. that's why I do what I do. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. And I, I agree with you. Like I think masterminds is that's where it's at because you do have more people, more ideas, more brains, more, you know, logs in the fire. And I think if you were going to, if anyone was going to hire anybody, like look for people that support you in a mastermind setting. I think that makes so much sense. Happy we're on the same page. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why we connected, right? Like there's just something about, (laughs) about the people that we're drawn to. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Well, I feel like we've, we've gone off the rails and chatted a lot and like went down a rabbit (laughs) hole, but I would love to know like what, how do you support RDs in this way and how can RDs work with you? I am always an open book. Anyone that wants to reach out to me, you can email me, you can Instagram me. I mean, I would even give you my phone number. Like I love (laughs) iTunes that much that I am always open to just have a conversation. I think it always starts with an initial conversation just saying, you know, let's just talk about you, what you love, what you want to do, like, you know, just to learn more about what they need, what they're looking for. And I think that's where it stems of, Hey, maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't, maybe I know someone that can be a better fit for you. I love making connections with people, with other dietitians that might be a better fit, but basically just kind of reach out, just call me, call me, text me. I mean, do whatever. I start with my email, start with my Instagram, 
And then I would love to have a conversation with you too, just like a more personal conversation and we'll chat. And like I said, like I've been through lots of different things. I have a very different perspective, but I also understand where people are in their dietetics journey. So I'm not a person that's going to preach to you about where you should be. I want to talk to you about where you are and where I can help you get where you need to be or want to be. Love that so much. (laughs) Cool. And I will put all of your links in the show notes. So you guys will have access to all of Anne Elizabeth's information. Yes. Awesome. All right. Then one final question. I feel like we've kind of touched on this, but like, do you have any favorite ways to collab with fellow RDs? You know, I, I will say podcasting has been one of my favorite things. Like I think when we connected, we were like, let's do a podcast swap. And I'm like, yes, I love that. And (laughs) just, you know, being in that space, like I love to help people start podcasts. I love anything that involves just a conversation because I think that's the root of all of the things that we do is having true conversations with people about the hard things, the easy things, the happy things, the sad things. And so I think that's where I, I found like my joy is in podcasting. Uh, I've been on other people's podcasts like yours, but I've also been on like non-dietitian podcasts, which has been super fun because that yeah. just takes you out of your element. <laughs> and so, you know, any way that I can converse with humans and dietitians, that's, that's how I like to collab because that leads to just bigger and better things because people don't talk enough. And if you talk, with someone and they listen to you. I, I love to listen. That really, that's what all people want. They just want to be listened to. And so if I can be that for someone, I want to be that person. There you guys, there you go. Hit up, hit her up in DMs, shoot there her an email, are. text her. <laughs> yes. I'll give you my phone number when you DM me. We can, we can text. Yes, absolutely. And with all my interns, I'm always like, here's my phone number. Text me if you need me, if you need something. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, because like, this is how the world works now, right? Like, let's just yeah. accommodate it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't need a million apps, right? Like, just, just no. shoot me a message. <laughs> yes. I'm so sick of apps. Apps can just go away. Text message me or email me. Like, I'm old school. Maybe that's bad, but I like it. I still, I still have a paper calendar and my, my phone calendar. I do both because I'm like, what if my phone dies or what if a car runs over it? Or I still have my paper calendar. So I just kind of like, I still do things a little odd. I think it's fair to have backups. I was just talking to someone today and like her phone fell into a river, like a hundred feet down and there's no coming oh back God. from that. See? So like, yeah, it could I think- happen. I think that you're, you're onto something having multiple, like hard copies of things. <laughs> yes. And I still write it in pencil too. Cause I'm like, well, what if it changes? I, I, I don't want a pen. I want to erase it. So I still have like a little mechanical pencil I carry around with me too. So I'm crazy. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I learned more in the last like minute and a half than I did from the three most important questions that I've asked you. <laughs> You're picturing me writing in my planner and then putting it in my phone. And my, I, I love mechanical pencils. They're always sharp and delightful. So they are. That is fair. <laughs> oh, well, and it's been so much fun chatting with you. I am so grateful that you were on the show today. And yeah, thanks. No, thank you. Thank you for all you're doing for the dietitian space too. You are an amazing human. And I think that you really have something special going with your, your business, your mastermind, you have an upcoming in-person thing, a 
I think a mastermind group that you're doing on location. So I love that too. It's kind of like your fancy party, but it's in Italy, right? So it's like your own little, little fancy party, which I think that's great. Life goals, life goals. Yes. (laughs) You're you're giving me ideas. (laughs) All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Wasn't that a fun convo? We can learn so much from each other when we listen to each other's journeys because there's no one straight path as a dietitian. There are a million different ways we can go and probably even new opportunities that some of us didn't even know about, but they already exist, right? Like in the technology fields or literally anywhere. So I think being open to having conversations with other dietitians is really the key. And then transitioning that into, okay, cool. You know this, I know this, where do we overlap? Or what can we bring to each other's worlds that can just change the game? Let's do a quick recap. One, you can be all of the things as an RD. Choose one thing, choose two things, three things, all the things. Two, if you look up to another dietitian, if something about them resonates with you, connect with them. Three, If you don't have your shit together and you're not aligned within your life, the money piece of it won't follow. Damn. Isn't that true? Alrighty, guys. Well, I always say this, but it really breaks down to understanding and exploring your superpowers so that you know where you can contribute. And I have a couple of options for you. First, check out the free download of my Unleash Your Genius Masterclass. It's a 30-minute on-demand masterclass where I guide you through an exploratory meditation help you determine your zones of genius, and also help you unlock the innate blueprint that you already have for success. The link for this free download is in the show notes. Second, I have another session of the CoLab Roundtable starting in October. This is a collaborative and intimate space where we hone in on your human design and how you can use your innate blueprint, your beautiful differences to run your business in a way that feels truly aligned. There are more deets that you can scroll through on the site, so I'll drop the link to that in the show notes as well. And then lastly, the next opening for the Voxer community chat will be in mid-October, meaning that you and four other, four to five other RDs who want a low-key space to connect, build relationships, and feel supported without the bullshit and the shit talk are more than welcome into the space. It's a space to connect and ask questions about your business, human design, and for self-exploration. I am a believer in that the mind of the community is greater than the mind of the guru. And that's exactly what this space is. So it is $99 for three months. And the link for that is in the show notes as well. Next week's guest is Kara. She is a registered dietitian and teaches busy families the skills that they need to component prep and simplify dinners. Until next week, ciao.